Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Meldon. This week we're taking a look at a special spooky episode. That was bad. How do we take a look at a spooky episode? It should be spooky special episode, but... Spooky special. All right, someone else do it. Do it in a vampire voice. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass. Do they do do welcome or do they do... Willkommen? Oh, you mean the V or the W? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a vampire welcome or welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass. Welcome to Monsters and Dragons Fix. <laughs> oh god. <clears throat> oh man. Alright, alright. Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass. No, I, see it's not everything's V. Every- alright, you're right, you're right. Too many V's, too many V's. We got this. Welcome to Monsters in Multiclass, your weekly in Dungeons and Dragons and Fix. Bleh! That was really good. <laughs> this isn't going well, is it? No. Um, it's a spooky episode. I, yeah, that should be abundantly clear at this point. It's Halloween. So stick doing- around for a few. Yeah. All right. Do you so want are we to mention, going with that? Or are we going to? No. Do you want to mention what we're actually doing at all? Like even a little bit, because <laughs> there are two semi-coherent things that we'll be going over on today's podcast, which are a spooky multi-class <laughs> and the spooky bone claw. <laughs> Bleh. Bleh. All right. So no more vampire voice. Um, I think we've got our intro out of the way, though. <laughs> sure, Kevin, just fucking edit it in post. <laughs> you can fix it in post, right? <laughs> sure. Oh, and put the spooky piano music in the front, too. Yes. If you need royalty free, you can just use what I just did. All right, so this week we are going to try our best to put together some sort of spooky multi-class. What that means is nothing. It basically means nothing, but we're going to try our best. (laughs) I don't have a good way to start this, uh, if you couldn't tell by the intro, but I think where I want to start is what Halloween means to me. No? We don't want to start there? I think it's about sacrificing cats. (laughs) Jeez. What? <laughs> that was about candy. I don't know, man. <laughs> That's just what I read on the internet. Okay, so... We're getting um, real close to just scrapping this whole episode. <laughs> yeah, we're getting real close. This is a bad start. We're not there yet, though, so we'll push through. All right, so spooky multi-class. I've got some ideas... Most of them are kind of funny, more than they are spooky, because spooky is really hard to do in D&D. Yeah. So I'll back up real quick. When you say spooky multi-class, do you mean it's spooky because, like, inherently the multi-class is spooky? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's so bad, it's spooky, like Wizard Sorcerer? Or, like, it's a spooky (laughs) character, and we're making it, and it's only able to really be justified via multi-class. I think the second one. All right. But I do like the idea of like sitting around a campfire and telling like spooky stories, but it's just us like, oh, and then he dipped in the sorcerer for only one level and he was already a full caster. (laughs) (laughs) 
but I don't think that's going to play well with the audience. Uh, no, that's a fairly niche. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's some niche spook right there. <laughs> um, so if we did try to put together a multi-class that was spooky and could only be justified by being a multi-class, what could we do? Because there's some some classes that I think definitely lend themselves to the the spook factor. Um, something like the uh, was the Gloomstalker Ranger, mm-hmm. I think, is a, a great one to say. That's like, ooh, that's like you know, it's got some spook to it. It's kind of like edgy, and it's all about seeing in the dark and not being seen by things that can see in the dark. Yeah, man, with turn invisible in the dark, and right? Ambushing right. people, and it's kind of like you know. A monster's worst nightmare. Right. (laughs) Um, And then the other side of it is like a necromancer, which just takes every generic spooky thing and kind of puts it into one wizard. Their entire thing is raising things from the dead. And necrotic damage. Right. And then warlocks too, just kind of. The entirety of the warlock class, except for the celestial probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because people yell, people always yell about this on the internet, but the Archfey isn't supposed to be like really pleasant. Everyone's like, oh, it's like a cool elf god. It's like, no, it could be like an evil, mean imp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fey creatures alone aren't like inherently good. You remember those hags are fey. Yeah, red caps are fey creatures. Those are terrible. Yeah, the fey wilds are not a good place. I think, what is it, displacer beasts came out of the fey wild. Yeah, that was an accident. Yeah, I mean, yeah. cat breeding accident. <laughs> oops i screwed up the cats <laughs> so i mean what uh i don't know what what can we do to make a multi-class spooky it's really just taking those elements and putting them together right so a uh a necromancer gloomstalker mm. <laughs> it doesn't, does it have to be mechanically viable yes it has to be mechanically viable oh that's kind of throwing all of our principles out no the it's perfect it's perfect all right so you've got the one subclass you're not supposed to use. Which like one? Spooky, oh. The spooky Oathbreaker Paladin. Oh. Who's perfect for your uh, necromantic ways. So what, because uh, the Oathbreaker gives you a bunch of stuff about like empowering undead, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're not <clears throat> supposed to do that. <laughs> you're not supposed to roll it. But I was thinking about it because I was playing Warcraft and no, not Warcraft. Warhammer. Warhammer. I was playing Warhammer. All the necromancers were not like uh, saggy wizards with robes. It was like huge dudes with armor on horses with lances. I was like, oh, I'm evil and I'm on a horse. <laughs> I was thinking that's way cooler than being the frail necromancer. Kind of like the headless horseman. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that class. And other than like really wasting your time with illusions and maybe like <laughs> begging your DM to make your firebolt themed as a pumpkin head. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot you can do there. That is kind of cool, though. Yeah, if sure. I, but if I was not going to work in the campaign eleven months out of the year, so yeah. I don't <laughs> think that these are the characters that are going to be used in long form campaigns by any <laughs> means. I think this is the type of character where your uh, DM says, "Hey, I want to run a uh, you know a Halloween themed one shot," and you're like, "Cool, I'll go ahead and make a headless horseman character." I mean, that that can work. So, I mean, you're talking about Paladin, Oathbreaker, with some necromancy, and just has some illusion spells to make it look like they don't have a head? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, unless you really do 
wheedle your DM and be like, can I actually be headless? And he's like, no. <laughs> come on, man, please. Come on. It's just a one shot. Come on. It's just a one shot. <laughs> like eventually, like, fine. It's an illusion, but it's always on. Whatever. Well, it's just the dwarf wearing too big of armor. <laughs> <laughs> I just have minus one AC because it needs to be slot cut out of the chest. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth it. Yes. Totally worth it. But I mean, there's definitely some things you could do. I remember in um, our Curse of Strahd game, you were playing a paladin who was not an Oathbreaker. I don't remember what he was, but he had a horse that was, uh, it wasn't undead, but it used. No, like, it was undead because okay. it died. And then we, I kept bringing it back with the found, find sea spell. Right. And we just kept flavoring it as like, he got more and more decrepit. <laughs> he was like eating like flesh off of the dead enemies. <laughs> It's That's like a spooky funny. skeletal horse, and I think your character's entire thing was that he just ignored that he was an undead horse. Horse is fine, man. Is it? Yeah. Irregardless. Irregardless, yeah. the horse. Come on, irregardless. <laughs> <laughs> is he eating that person's head? He just does that. <laughs> he thinks it's a pumpkin. Hey, man, if your horse works, I don't see any reason to change it up. <laughs> he stopped galloping or whatever. But yeah, that's the other problem with this class is anything that is mounted, you're limiting yourself in usefulness and team playership and all that kind of thing. So, you know, the headless horseman could just be like a headless regular dude. What if you were like a, a fire ganasi? Because then you've got like the flaming head and it's like, I don't know, you're kind of going in that direction. I don't think they have flaming heads, man. We can make this one have a flaming head. It's a one shot. <laughs> <laughs> you could cast, uh, it's called like eternal flame or something like that on your helmet. Ooh, because there's no heat or anything like that. It's just a, it's basically a torch. Heat. Yeah, with no heat, and it's flame. permanent. That's a spooky spell right yeah. there. So you just wear like a black hood for a helmet, and then eternal flame on it. Man, that's kind of yeah. spooky. Yeah, and then you're an oathbreaker paladin, and to do anything that fights a paladin, they're spooky as shit. Yeah, you don't really know annoying. if this hit's gonna hurt really bad or like absolutely terribly fucking bad because it decided to smite with it. Did the DM properly have that like seven day seven combats a day, or did he just kind of let it go so the paladin can smite every time? You know, right? We know. <laughs> and the then if he's multiclassed into the necromancer wizard, knowing that if you get killed, your corpse is probably going to be raised up and used <laughs> for his nefarious deeds. Oh, that is kind of. In addition yeah. to nuking all the characters, you have a gigantic army of zombies and skeletons to completely screw up the action economy that then get empowered by your mere presence as the Oathbreaker's aura. <laughs> I feel like it's really hard. Just the more we describe this the more, I think like that sounds like a really cool villain. Yes. You know, and like, exa- yes, it is. It, it just is really hard to make a character that you would want to play. That is once again, spooky. Cause all I'm hearing from that is man, it would be really cool if like for a Halloween one shot, if you came into a town that's being basically terrorized by this headless horseman paladin who's got a flaming pumpkin head and is raising up his victims from the dead and using them to amass an undead army. That doesn't sound like a heroic PC thing to do. What are I mean, you going to do with all that? It's, oh, I'm going to go kill a dragon. A bad dragon, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever dragon I find first. <laughs> Just for the sake of accuracy, the spell's continual flame. Oh, okay. Flame, but whatever, in case anyone looks it up. But I mean, the evil campaigns are always a thing, especially if you're doing a Halloween one shot. Right, right. But then, who's the antagonist in that case? If you're the, the evil oh, the devotion paladin. Bus full of orphans. Yeah. <laughs> the bus full of orphans who is not uh, currently under my enslavement. 
as yeah. <laughs> somebody who wants to kill all these orphans and bring them back to life as zombie slaves. First off, they didn't find that out until the next campaign. So oh, you're bringing back Ren, aren't you? <laughs> Being an evil character is the best thing in the world, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it does make it kind of tough because like to play something spooky, there is this inherent element of evil to it. No, not necessarily. I mean, what we're describing is so incredibly over the top. Right. It's like, it's gonna be, you can't really like play that. It's like, no, he's just kind of the misunderstood anti-hero. Right. It's like, right. no, he literally lit his head on fire and is raising dead townsfolk to go raid other towns. <laughs> to like, amass more dead townsfolk. Yeah, folk. like he, he's not an okay person. <laughs> well, maybe we can just use him for this one quest. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a one shot, guys. I think what you're what you're saying has some grain of truth to it, but there is a spectrum of spooky. And <laughs> if you look at if you look at like say what creeps you out in a horror movie, like ninety nine times out of a hundred, that thing is bad. And like it doesn't even matter if the good characters are actually technically bad, the thing that's hurting them is always going to be bad. But there is also there's the creepy aspect. That is usually just kind of slung at people that aren't actually creepy. They just make you feel weird. You're like, yeah, I don't. That guy kind of looks like he smells. <laughs> but there, you could make a spooky, like uh, mysterious old one warlock, and just like act weird. That's one kind of awkward take on the spooky thing. I don't know the new uh, sorcerer class where you're just covered in slime all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's not necessarily evil, but it is kind of spooky. Oh, it definitely yeah. is. You've got spooky up and down on that one yeah i mean you're you're totally right and i feel like i'm just getting a like a flashback to miscellaneous movies where there's just like a a, a jump scare of like a, a spooky homeless guy it's, he's not spooky because he's homeless it's just a spooky situation and there happens to be a homeless guy oh this is the richest country in the world how did this happen <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just like that quick like oh oh my gosh i thought you were like the bad thing trying to get oh, me. Oh, like Home Alone 2. <laughs> and I think Home Alone 1. I think that guy was in both. Does anybody remember that? Macaulay Culkin? No, not Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> was it he was not the, the bad it guy was the guy in that? who shoveled the driveway. Oh, yes. yeah. He wasn't homeless. Was just... No, he was just spooky in that way. Where yeah, he like, like, oh, went across the street. He ended creepy. up being like a nice guy and helped him out. Right, yeah. right. And that was spooky in like a, a childlike way. Are you talking like Mulholland Drive? I'm not familiar. Okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't quite remember the entire movie. It's hard to really keep it all in your head anyways. <laughs> but it, like, there's definitely some sort of scene like that. It's like some homeless guy jumps out. and That guy was like a vine monster. But yeah, he wasn't really like a homeless guy. It was weird. Well, it's that's weird what movie. that's how it would actually play out if you were playing a spooky character where you are the like the, the one that everyone's like, what is like up with that guy? And it's like, oh, he's just kind of off, but it's it's not a big deal. But then, you know, you have tentacles and stuff like the 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 other warlock that came out in the ua recently that's like basically a tentacle warlock or you're a goose sorcerer and it just like slowly comes out more and more that like no this this guy's really really creepy what's the other one uh shadow sorcerer where it has the perfect has the creepy right. table yeah you it, blinked it was... once last week that's creepy as hell <laughs> right <laughs> we always do this in a racial lens where it's like oh you're the strange thing that doesn't usually come to town but that's fine, and that's that's a fine way to play it. But if you have, like, a, a guy who never blinks or his skin is completely cold to the touch, people should be, like, reacting, like, oh, that guy's incredibly off-putting. Yeah, and he definitely would be. But what would he multi-class with to increase the spookiness? Oathbreaker Paladin. 
Just Oath Baker Paladin. <laughs> That's the only one I thought of. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not bad, especially with a sorcerer. Could you imagine a goo sorcerer who is also an Oathbreaker Paladin? You still have the um, Plurterer, or whatever it's normally called. Sorcedin? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorcedin is the official name. <laughs> right. Plurterer is what, yeah. Is what we, we call it. <laughs> We've hijacked it. Yeah. So you get your Plurterer. Plurterer 2019. <laughs> it's not catching on. <laughs> it's really not. It died once that episode aired. <laughs> so you get your Plurterer. Uh, who's an Oathbreaker. So they, of course, had some strong connection that in their past they have turned away from. And now because of that, they get some benefits with Undead, which I never really understood. But I guess that's not important. It's supposed to be a villain. And then they're a Goo Sorcerer because... I don't remember any of the mechanics of the Goo Sorcerer. Yeah, no, just go Shadow Sorcerer. Yeah, yeah okay, Shadow, Shadow Sorcerer. Yeah. I mean, better. also then the Goo one. Great old one, Sorcerer is a UA, which... I mean, I guess this is not like an official multi-class it's episode. Not, it's, but not we even, st- it's not even the great old one. I yeah. literally mean goo, like he's covered in slime. Yeah, it's, there was the slime sorcerer recently. Right, but isn't it they got their powers from like an It's from one? like the same place, but it's not yeah. the guy himself. It's not like Cthulhu. It's like Cthulhu's like mucus. It was like Jublex. I think it's like one of the possibilities of like oh, how they got okay. their goo. But it also it doesn't really come into play because you're a sorcerer. So. Right, right. So everyone just forgets that you have a backstory and moves on. <laughs> most sorcerers all right yeah the shadow one works great you've got dark vision you got darkness you got the hound of ill omen yeah. oh it's the darkness that you could see in right i don't know if you yeah. cast it using your sorcery points, sorcery points. Yeah, is, i mean that's scary that's spooky but that's also super it just like lights out in the room yeah and it's like that's yeah. catastrophic if you're a paladin because yeah. that like doubles your crit chance because you got advantage now oh yeah and every yeah, time and everyone paladin, else knowing that's it could still see me. I can't see it. Right. Which I think it really does make it sound like really good for an evil campaign <laughs> where like your PCs are just terrorizing something. Right. I, I I don't even know how to structure an evil campaign, like where to even start with that. I feel like the only thing I can think of is if there's like, I don't know, guilds and such, because otherwise you're just killing civilians and that's just like chaotic evil and that's not really fun. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be at that table, I guess, is where I'm going with that. Yeah. <laughs> What's today's encounter? It's like, uh, 60 villagers, most yeah. of them. I'm not rolling initiative. They're just going to try and run. Go for it. See how many you can get. <laughs> yeah, just roll 2d20s, and that's how many you killed. Good job. <laughs> oh, oh, but I'm going to make it dark. All right, yeah, they're they're terrified, and you killed some more. Good job. Oh, you have two attacks, and you used them both on a villager, even though he was dead? You start hacking them up. Have inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, so an actual long-term evil campaign, it's kind of like a mirror to the type of campaign we're running now, where it's an open-world sandbox type campaign. Right. We all have characters that we put a backstory to, and they all have their own goal, and the reason why they're out in the world, quote-unquote, adventuring and grouping up. You do the exact same thing, but instead of being the scrappy, rumbunctious group and the good-hearted tabaxi and the environmentally friendly um, furbog and whatnot, everyone's just kind of evil- it's like you got driven out of your village because you you're a psychopath and people like kind of put that together that you're the one causing all these issues and you got ran out of your village and you realize all right i kind of got to hide it a bit but i mean ultimately i, I want to amass a huge amount of wealth and power and that is my long-term goal right but i'm going to need people to do it with and then the entire party is like that the problem is 
if you don't have a support structure behind you, and this is why it doesn't work so well with this, oh, we're a random band of, you know, lawful to neutral evil people. You have no support structure. Like every single town does not want you. They want you gone. And there's only like room for a handful of those subversives in any uh, civilized place. I wonder, I mean, if the the difficulty of it becomes how do you push your motivations without entire cities, you know, rising up and, and kicking you out in some way, shape or form. Yeah, well, so it's like you're going to go in a big city where the usual thing you do if you come across like a criminal organization is you fight against them. These would they would join up with the criminal organization with maybe the goal of trying to take it over. Right. Stuff like that. Right. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't so much work in like small little villages of 20 people. Right. Yeah, it's they're just going to kick you out or and then, or you end up killing them all. And then we're back at that situation oh, thank again. Oh, goodness, it's adventures. We have a quest. Do you have any evil quests? <laughs> Sir, we're a simple village. We just need help with our sheep. Killing them? No. We'll be leaving. I mean, there is still something to the small villages in the sense of, uh, you know, they have a quest for you and you're like, cool, what does it pay? And they're like, oh, it's just a, a modest sum. We were really hoping for just like some some altruism here. And it's like, yeah, no, that's nope. not going to work. <laughs> and then, you know, maybe they uh, they don't pay you just enough. So you teach them a lesson and then you leave the village anyways that earns you a reputation, to say the least. Right. Uh, and that legend itself kind of grows. I don't really know the motivations to doing that. Like, in real life. Right. Yeah, that's... Getting I can't I relate to, to putting like... villages to the torch just for my own personal pleasure. It's not like a thing I've done very often. Which, I mean... So so that's why it goes back to it. I would, I would want it to be in a very developed world of large cities and, like, large populations where you could blend in. That's yeah. right. that's what you'd have to do to get away with it. Right. So, yeah, you, you get involved in the criminal organizations. You start one up. Maybe you're going to small villages to shake them down. They're not going there looking to help them. You're looking to, you know, bully them for protection money and hard quotes on protection money. Right. And crap like that. Right. I think it's, it's not a bad idea to create, if you can get the party all cohesively thinking, let's just be kind of, what's that word? Bullies? Brigands. Brigands. Okay. Brigands. Okay. Everyone know what a brigand is? Generally, it's just like the bad guy bandits in the streets. But generally, what it actually means is like former soldiers, when the war was over, they like didn't want to go back to work. So they just chill in the countryside and rob people because they were really good at fighting and they didn't get their spears taken away. <laughs> so you could just like have like that kind of campaign. It's like, we just finished our war and, you know, I don't want to go back to making shoes or bread. I want to shake people down. Right. And then the challenge of that campaign, because they're not going to be gunning, they're not going to be gunning for like dragons or vampires or bands of orcs, is going to be like some kind of law enforcement agency that you have to craft to hunt these people down. And that could be a great like quote unquote villain for this campaign. I think a good example of that is something that everybody in the world has to be familiar with at this point, Red Dead Redemption, where that's like basically the kind of the idea, not so much the the setup of like you were all, you know, part of the war or anything, but you are playing a character who is avoiding the law because their ideas are, I want to just avoid law. I hate law, lawful society. And I just want to do what I want to do without the, you know, watchful eye of the government in any way. And that kind of falls in line there. And I feel like you could, uh, you could put something together there where you're basically, you're evil to some extent because Yes, you do go into town and steal horses and kill when it's more convenient than talking things out. 
Or you press the wrong button. Or you press the wrong button. <laughs> oh, that was the knife button. <laughs> but that could be some part of it. More like a, a I want to say a cowboy, but that's not really it. It was an outlaw. Yeah. Through yeah, and through. Yes. Yeah. Or, or you go away from the sandbox and you just you write a more linear railroady campaign, which is actually that's a lot of what we played before our current one. And that that's fine. And just you for write it with the intent that the party is evil and they have these grand evil plans where this stuff will happen and they could take advantage and derise the power and rule the kingdom someday. Yeah, I mean, I could see Out of the Abyss, a campaign that we we played, basically being flipped on its head and almost exclusively being like, you're trying to release the demons in a way that benefits you. And then it's like, okay, sweet, we already have this like structured campaign, but now it's evil and you're in the Underdark where it's already not like you know connected right it's not a nice place by any means and you can travel from city to city and people aren't going to have talked about other cities as well it's it's very disconnected um so i could see if you are going to run a long-term evil campaign the underdark would be perfect as a or you know that type of place i think even the uh the world that i'm currently running is very like you know you could go halfway across the world and people aren't going to know of what happened in some big city on the other side right because it's a very underdeveloped kind of new the frontier world. Effect, yeah. <clears throat> right exactly which is exactly the plot of red dead redemption it's right the back end at of the it. frontier effect yeah it's like i'm the last of my kind damn railroads ruined everything <laughs> <laughs> so then you throw on top of that a uh bard necromancer who's got uh zombie groupies and or dancing skeletons dancing skeletons is probably better than dancing zombies oh yeah no they yeah. got the they can do that thing with their arms they're much more flexible xylophone ribs yeah. xylophone ribs that's that was perfect a i say yeah make music while they dance <laughs> the joints and bones clear together right Ooh, like taking off your buddy's arms to then play drums oh yeah that's good it's really good <laughs> <laughs> such great flavor i love it <laughs> i get so sick of it so quickly i think when we had our bard wizard episode that actually came up like really briefly right and then we just entirely stopped talking about it i don't know if it's mechanically viable to be honest i don't think it is well there's no real point to it like right <laughs> there's no actual synergy it's just flavor oh it's just pure flavor it's like wouldn't it be really cool if i had backup groupies just all the time Singing and dancing for me. Well, not singing. It'd be just like, uh, they might have good harmonies if you picked out the right ones. <laughs> it depends <laughs> on the damage of the vocal cords. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the physiology of zombies. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good, though. You get a couple zombies who you just get like, you know, you, you select them. You ask your DM like, hey, how's these ones vocal cords? And he's like, uh, they're OK. It sounds like uh, the next one you find uh. every morning. You got to tune your zombies. <laughs> Uh, there we go. <laughs> He's like reaching in to their vocal cords yeah, and like I was giving them a tug. Like, tugging is like eh, just like adjusting it like uh blinds. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Time to go scare some villagers. <laughs> How is this not evil? Because I'm not actually hurting them. I'm just spooking them. <laughs> it is the perfect, like you can easily play that off as just like the i guess 
I want to say ignorant. They just like have no idea what's going on. Or you're just like, no, you can't just raise people from the dead and bring them into bars and expect people to enjoy the music you put out. And he's like, but I think the people just don't understand. <laughs> that actually uh, could go. We don't really talk a whole lot about the Faerunian backstories, but that would go well with like a character who ended up in Thay, but was not really part of Thay society. <laughs> They just kind of grew up there and just like nobody was going to like kill him and turn him into a zombie or teach them how to be a lich. He was just like a hanger on. It's like, yeah, it's totally normal. This gigantic like lich dictatorship, this lictatorship of uh, horrible zombie monsters all over the place is my normal. And they're just like a normal kid who grew up in that. Maybe he was like really, really cute, like a halfling or something. And, like, <laughs> the lich bosses were like, oh, I can't turn him into something evil. <laughs> how could I corrupt this? Son, you've been here for like 23 years. It's time that you go out in the world because, you know, we have to go march off to war and destroy mortals. But you go do something fun and useful. Here's a, a zombie and a skeleton to uh, start you <laughs> off and a uh, book of tomes that will uh, teach you how to make more. So go make a name for yourself, I guess. <laughs> I grow up so fast. <laughs> I, I have a soft spot for silly dandy. And just taking anything serious in this game and making it a joke. But. Yeah, and that's fair. I, I've had a lot of fun with the the silly campaigns, which that would have to be a part of. I mean, that's <laughs> that's silly through and through. If if you're like, oh, I'm the the headless horseman, and I go from village to village raiding and massing a zombie army, and like, oh, I do the same thing. Do you? <laughs> yeah, these are my zombies. Uh, 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 hey, he was off. Let me go uh, stick your hand in. It's just the vocal cords. Um, but, you know, in a silly campaign, that can totally play off well. It's just, it's a lot of commitment to do a silly campaign. I've done it before. After a while, it's like, huh, I've really run out of uh, direction. And everyone's like, we just want to keep feeling silly. And it's like, yeah, that's... That's kind of, uh, that's over, isn't it? That's uh, that's the uh, real hardest campaign to run is Epic Silly. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a, uh, you want full space balls. And yeah. And it burns itself out. You need a rain and more Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Um, I think there's something to be said about the like three month campaign structure, like for those types of ideas where I could play a three month long evil campaign i could play a three month long silly campaign like that i can work with but if we're like yeah we're gonna do this for the next two to three years <laughs> no that's no. okay let's maybe just take it serious and the silly moments will happen I, yeah which is good you know you can have silly in serious that's how you break it up actually it often makes the silly more silly exactly because otherwise you're just numb to the silly yeah you don't want to be numb you to just the kind silly. of start rolling your eyes it's like yeah Okay, yeah. Yep. They were pie in his face. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. oh, of course, there's some cliched mechanic to the bartender. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, he's got lobster hands for no reason. <laughs> this is great and hilarious, and I love it. <laughs> lobster hands? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, this guy offered you a quest, and you asked him, how many bananas does it pay? And that guy passed out, and this one's peeing in the corner. Huh? The aristocrats. <laughs> maybe we just wouldn't be good at the silly camp. Uh, yeah, maybe we're just we're, maybe yeah. we're just really boring dull people. Everybody like listening right now is just like, why would they pay bananas? That's not silly. That's just dumb. <laughs> These people are dumb. <laughs> it's just the roulette wheel and Kevin's head spinning. It's like, what is it? And it's like half the board is bananas. It's like, oh, it's gonna be bananas. I need a random thing. Bananas. Oh. <laughs> 
Is the the stopper like the clicker part for it? Is it a banana? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did it land on bananas again? It started on bananas, Kevin. He's been like this since high school. I will say though, I would I could do I personally could do an evil campaign like probably longer than most normal people, but I really like being Don't evil. go bragging about that, man. <sighs> I think you like I you like the idea of it. As we found with when you played an evil character in a good focused campaign. Yeah, I, you might be right. I probably only liked being evil because I was that contrarian element. Right. right. It, you would be the person who we all agree we're going to play an evil campaign <laughs> and you finally play a good character with a well-fleshed out backstory. <laughs> I'm going to stop you guys no matter the cost. Here's my 40-page backstory explaining my motivation. Who's pretending to be evil. <laughs> it's so hard for me to pretend to be evil. <laughs> Just saying that around the fire by yourself. <laughs> you okay, bud? Yeah, that's worse. One of the bard skeleton guy. <laughs> you look kind of down. Oh, fuck you guys. I'm going to get you. <laughs> you silly evil bastards. Oh, now that is a level that I can't even fathom. Silly and evil campaign. Silly evil campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone's just going to try and play as the Joker. I mean, I think that's really the only, that's the only like example I could pin to it. That's the, the rule is so hard to not just be like, what's that, Will? No, you're just like, if you try and play the Joker, you explode. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think anybody, we're all just going to like subconsciously just kind of keep drifting towards that behavior. I would pray. And I'm talking more like comic book Joker, not so much the recent movie, which was not very silly at all. I didn't see it. I mean, neither is the Heath Ledger ones. No. It would be funny if each person like took on their own form of the Joker, though, and it just became a Joker campaign. Where oh, like, everyone has a different version of <laughs> right, oh, right. Boy. That would be so. Oh man, that Caesar, whatever from the Batman show with Adam West. Yeah, that guy was, that was a bad show. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I'm going for. I'll have to watch the show first to really get a feel for it, but I can only assume it'll be great. I just remember he accidentally gave someone a dehydration gun and they started dehydrating the whole town. (laughs) (laughs) What? They'd like shoot the person and there would just be a pile of dust and like Batman had to find like super, like the opposite of it was like a squirt gun or something like that. (laughs) And like he just squirts this like suit covered in dust and the mayor's back and it's like, oh, the mayor's back. Adam West. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God for Batman. (laughs) Is Batman a spooky character? No. Yes. All right, Kevin. (laughs) You win. (laughs) That was easy. All right. Yeah. How do we make Batman? Oh, Oh, we did this, didn't we? Nobody likes this conversation. No, we have not done this on air, but it's been done to death a million times in the community, online, on Reddit, wherever. Mm. This conversation has been done so much, and there's never a satisfying answer. It's like four different things and you're not good at any of them. Right. Like, I don't feel like Batman. I feel like a really just gimped party member. <laughs> I think he's a barbarian. <laughs> no, that one's probably wrong. <laughs> no, they had a spinoff like Caveman Batman. No, they didn't. It is a comic or a show? Comic. Oh, okay. Well, they, then, yeah, I believe that. They had like thousands of them. They had Vampire Batman, too. <laughs> okay, that sounds spooky. Victorian Batman. There was a ton of Batmans. I think we talked about playing as a vampire in our vampire episode. Yes, yeah. we did. And that is actually 
we didn't mention it, but that's like the perfect way to do an evil campaign because you have oh, something yeah. to do. Yeah, that was yeah, true. Yeah, you would be a vampire spawn. Right. Behold into a vampire. And yeah, he would just give you quests and send you out in the world to do crap. That could be fun. I, w- I would like that a lot, actually. And could actually do that long form as well. But just being evil, that's not for me. I'm just a good guy. Lame as hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got the wizard bard or necromancer bard. Yeah, I I do like the oathbreaker sorcerer, the the shadow sorcerer. I think right. that's really good. Yeah. What else can we do? What's a spooky MC? If um if you reflavor a little bit ancestral guardian, I was that, thinking oh. that it does yeah. have a ghost kind of vibe. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think we we briefly talked about it a little bit and outside of all this, but um and that would. Probably, I think, Gloomstalker. We did a Barbarian Ranger episode recently, and it turns out that it's actually kind of decent. You can, I really yeah. liked it. I keep recommending it to people yeah. like for just awesome multi-classes. Yeah, so you're the Gloomstalker, which is already the creepy one where you hide in the shadows and ambush, and if somebody has dark vision where they see you, you're actually invisible to them. Really creepy anyways. But then instead of being this like spry kind of dexterous ranger, you're this terrible hawking barbarian that could take a million hits. And then the Ancestral Guardian, they... They have all their abilities around, like, their ancestors come out and do crap. So if you're raging and you hit somebody, they get swarmed by your ancestors. And then they have disadvantage on attacks not against you and stuff like that. I actually really like that mechanically. Because if you're, yeah. like, in the dark as, like, a gloom stalker where you're already uh, hidden from things that have dark vision and rely on dark vision, then you make it so that that thing has to attack you. It's going to have, like disadvantage on everything and also disadvantage on even finding you right so that's like mechanically very good yeah but then also the flavor of it is yeah really spooky right yeah because then with the the ancestors it's i get the intenses it's kind of like this abstract idea of the ancestors helping you but just make it very very concrete and make them like decrepit, scary ghosts and ghouls and stuff that like come out and they swarm this person's vision and gets them all distracted and yeah, and I think that's a fun one to play in a totally normal campaign. That's like the first one that I'm like, yeah, that just works. <laughs> because then you kind of get your entire party who's just like, you know, yes, this guy's weird. Because I'm assuming you're going to have like some oddities to right, you. Yeah, you, you got to be that creepy, completely pale, big hawking guy with dead eyes who doesn't really talk much, doesn't blink, <laughs> that sort of thing. Right. But at the same time, it's like, well, he's only ever helped us. So I'm sure his motivations are good. But everybody we fight just screams and crumples on the ground until we kill them. <laughs> like, that's a but they're weird. bad guys. So it's... Right, right. He doesn't do it to the good guys, so that makes him good. Right. That'd be just like kind of a weird society. Because it, it is based off of kind of like a tribal idea where your ancestors are venerated throughout your tribe. And right. And you get that mechanic. It's like your entire tribe is just like creepy barbarians. I mean, there's all your houses are made out of giant bones. It's kind of taking, um, like the, uh, I, I guess the only way to, to put it is like the, the day of the dead, the, the Mexican holiday to an extreme of just like, what if there was an entire culture whose main focus was that idea of like honoring the dead and respecting them in a way that the dead helped you i was gonna say you're honoring them and then using their magic powers in mortal combat for good 
It's only against uh, bad guys, Kevin. <laughs> okay. Maybe your ancestors were really into killing people, and that's yeah. why they're coming back to help you. Or maybe the ancestors don't particularly care, and they just have their own kind of trust in you. Just in the same way that you respect them, they respect the people that they have, you know, sprung forth and spawned. Yeah. They're like, yeah, okay, we're, we're going to help this one. It doesn't matter if uh, whatever they're doing, this is for the tribe. It's to help the tribe. Oh man, I'd be could be something. Yeah, I I feel like you would really struggle to grow up as a well-adjusted person if you had the vengeful spirit of your grandpa following you around and trying to kill stuff for you. Yeah, it's been a weird life. <laughs> grandpa, stop! <laughs> <laughs> but it could work again, and it could work as a character that's not just evil, right? Uh, which I think is kind of important if we're talking about like characters anyone wants to actually play right yeah and so i all i could picture in terms of how this character would look is from full metal alchemist brotherhood sloth oh yeah okay but he goes completely invisible in the dark and he's super stealthy and anytime he hits you you get swarmed with terrible decaying ghosts and ghouls who scream at you and eventually they can even actually hurt you yeah that's really not good no It'd be like Sloth and uh, I think it was Pride was the little kid. Yeah. Who just like in the shadows. Th- that was his thing. He used the shadows to right. kill people. And that was like super creepy. So you just combine those two together and you've got yourself a ranger barbarian with ancestral gardens and Gloomstalker. Yep. I like that. Yep. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's pretty creepy. So let's see. Are there any other multi-classes that work? We haven't really talked about cleric, and I feel like cleric have like a... Like the grave domain? Yeah, that's, got the that's bad a great guy one. one. And then they've got the death domain, which is the bad guy one, and then the right. grave one. Right. So the grave one's probably the better path for a... Non-evil. Sensible character, yeah. Right. Grave with the uh, spore druid. Is Put that, those two together. Have we done cleric druid? I don't know, actually. At this point, they've all blurred together. Yeah, I say it doesn't sound familiar, but there's been a lot. All right, elaborate on the cleric druid one, though. Well, you've got somebody who's obsessed with death, and now they're also obsessed with mushroom spores, or just spores in general. And their relationship to death. And their relationship to death. It just seems very fitting, and you get that kind of, like, again, the, the... I don't want to say the spooky character that's almost too plain, but the person who's just kind of off-putting to say the least, where, yes, most of what they're doing is keeping a natural order in things and uh, helping the greater good, but also they just killed a guy and then imbued their body with spores and brought them back to life as a servant. Just so that's a the things, Yeah, so that's the thing spore <laughs> druids can do. Yeah. It's definitely got a creepy vibe to it. It does. And we have not done Druid Cleric, by the way. So. Okay. Well, that'll definitely come yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to dive into the mechanical viability of it. Of the double death character? The double death character, yeah. Yeah, and then there's um, the College of Whispers with the Bard. Uh, mainly just for their one ability. And I think we talked about this in one of the Bard episodes. We, we've done almost all Bard classes at this point. Where they can, I'm drawing a blank on the ability name. Pretty much when they kill somebody, they could steal their shadow. And then oh. use their shadow to assume their form and take over them. 
And that's a really classic kind of scary horror movie trope of a monster and of the monster being able to look like somebody you know and trust in the, the monster using that to ultimately betray you and get you. Yeah, that's the mantle of whispers is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. So humanoid dies within 30 feet of you. You can magically capture its shadow using your reaction. And yeah, I mean, that's that definitely could be used for more nefarious means. Right. I think when we've talked about it, it was like, yeah, you could use it to infiltrate an area. You know, you kill a guard, you assume his right. form, and then you can go wherever you need to. But there's a lot more creepiness to that. No, that's yeah. pretty freaking nefarious. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. like, oh, I can't get through this door. Hey, you got a family. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you bring up the fact that I'll they have visit a- your wife and kids later. If you bring up the fact that they have a family before killing them, yes, it's very creepy. <laughs> if you ignore that part and... Oh, you're a faceless guy. Stab in the neck. Now I have your face. Yeah, that's much easier to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> and you get that perfect horror movie moment where they do it and like they, they slit their throat and then like morph into them and turn around. And there's this kid there and you go like give him a wink and a shh. <laughs> and, go, and then they, no one believes the kid and you know that sort of crap no one will ever believe you <laughs> uh, as far as multi-class goes that like really really works well with assassin as far as flavors concerned yes. oh yeah oh yeah and once again it sounds like more of a bad guy than anything yeah just a little tiny teeny teeny <laughs> teeny weeny weeny bit so i mean there there is something to taking these all these ones that come across as evil and they can be again a bad guy in your campaign it doesn't always work out best to directly take a class and and turn it into a like end boss fight by any means um but you can use all of the things that they get at their disposals mantle of whispers just all of the rogue assassinate abilities and turn it into a stat block it's definitely a good jumping off point to like take established things and turn it into something that is very hard to track down something is the greatest assassin in all of the land and now you have to your party is tasked with figuring out this group right um and maybe that little kid who saw is their only lead right now right (laughs) and you know you can just body hop the entire time because i'm sure this is like yeah when you finish a shorter long rest it comes back you throw that out because you're making an evil right person whatever right um and they just keep body swapping basically and your party has to track them down that's fun and spooky because you don't know who it is right they could literally be one of the members of your party at one point. Ooh. Oh, man. That would be... Disappointing. Yeah. And tough to talk about as a DM. Like, hey, man. I, I don't mean permanent. Like, okay. And I don't mean even, like, killing a party member. Just for a moment. I guess, like, a brief Again, period of time. You yeah. would need a group that's really good at not metagaming. Right. Like, because I can't really think of a fun way to do it that doesn't exclude somebody without the entire table immediately knowing what's going on. But... Yeah. I mean, that's something <laughs> so, Yeah, Frank can't come today but we're still gonna play and i'm controlling frank's character right wink wink. right but i think that's something you could do with a player is you like just i think matt coville has an absolutely amazing video about doing these like long-term gotchas with a character or like with a specific player and you two work together to do something for the rest of the table that's really cool yeah like you work with them and say hey you know what for the next three sessions you're going to be the bad guy and i want you to just play as yourself but then we're gonna have this big reveal and you know 
just deal with that. Maybe for like 10 minutes, you won't be able to have a character uh, okay. instead of the entire time. And they, you know, you just work with them on it. Okay. I think it can work. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's, it's a little off. It's definitely not the norm by any means, but it can make for very memorable moments where, you know, you just have one person who's in on it basically. Right. Just like I did with you and Rin, where you and I talked about how your character is evil. They're going to do evil shit. And at some point I'm going to take that character from you. And then, you know, you'll have to make a new character. Of course, that became part of a new campaign, so it all worked out. But it's the same idea where we work together knowing stuff that other people didn't know. And I'm saying right. that in air quotes because the entire time Kevin's character was like, hey, uh, this person's <laughs> kind of evil, but you didn't know that they were an evil snake person. <laughs> You're right. I did not guess that they were a snake person in disguise. <laughs> I was thinking about it. You know what I I'm was super glad about? Like, we didn't have D&D &D Beyond back then, and I was looking into this because I was thinking about it. I'm not going to do this again because, you know, I already kind of blew it, but <laughs> you can't hide the race. So you'd, I'd have to, like, always oh. in my head adjust everything. Oh, yeah. yeah so or you'd have to manage two characters. Mm -hmm. Like, you could have, like, your, you know, human and, like, put them in there. And then my secret backup snake character. Right. Yeah, who's just <laughs> not in the campaign and wouldn't show up for us. Yeah. Just <laughs> to gaslight Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> He was that, was, that was one of my favorite long-term interactions with me and whatever character that was. Lofief. It was Lofief, right. Bard, yeah. Because he spent the entire next campaign <laughs> as an NPC going, fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, this not related to anything, but that was cool to see my character from a very long-running campaign show up as like a high-level kind of admired NPC in a future campaign who was like kind of the quest giver and yeah all that that was just neat for sure for Twist. sure yeah. I, I was glad that played out yeah. i think in i i'm not gonna talk about it I, i've said before like if i redid that campaign i'd do a much better job this time <laughs> but like no shit that was my second campaign i ever dm'd and my first time ever trying to do one like that was just personally written and i'm sure in a year i'll be thinking about how i could have done this one better that's what i do um but that was growing. a really good time what's that it means you're growing yeah That's good. yeah good exactly yeah. exactly and um i am growing i've actually uh somehow still gotten an inch taller from last year that's not true i lied i'm sorry guys. <laughs> it's never getting taller dude yeah. <laughs> like what 23 now it's not happening 24 <laughs> <laughs> yeah you might have that 25 year growth spurt yeah fingers <laughs> crossed perfect <laughs> I actually don't even know how tall you are. I think I see you like every single week and I like we're sitting down now and I cannot picture your height. I'm are you seven than foot me? tall. <laughs> okay. Uh, you, you both are just so small. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I think, five nine on a like, Okay, so good we're, day, we're five, about ten. the same height. Yeah, that's why you don't that's think about it. That's why I don't it. yeah, that's why I don't think about it. Right. Okay. <laughs> but the And real. then Will's the really short guy. Yeah. Yeah. Five foot four. <laughs> Oh man, I want to spread that. I want uh, everybody to think that you're five foot four. <laughs> People who meet me, yeah, he's five foot four. He's like that guy's like a head taller than me. How is he five foot four? Trust I don't know. Me. You're really you're short. not a doctor. You wouldn't know these things. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be really confusing if we ever do go to a con and like meet people. <laughs> Didn't you guys say he was like five foot four? <laughs> five foot four, six two. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Somewhere between those. <laughs> All right, so I think that's all the spooky multi-class that I need. You've got some yeah. great options here, though. Yeah, definitely. L lots of spook. 
Lots of spook. And when in doubt, just, just be a warlock. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy. It's very true. You can just be a warlock. Which, not... which, okay, to be fair, is your default. Yeah. And this is like kind of doubling down on my default. It's like, oh, you want a character? Be a warlock. Oh, you want a spooky character? Definitely be a warlock. <laughs> you say you want to go for a fighter barbarian multiclass? Have you tried playing a warlock? Mechanically, they're similar, but the warlock's just better. <laughs> so... All right, I think with that, as long as there's no objections, we can move on to our spooky monster of the week, which is going to be the Bone Claw. But before we get into that, if you have not yet, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, leave a review on iTunes. I don't know if anywhere else even lets you review podcasts, but if it does... I'm sure some do. Yeah, but... go for it. But we only check iTunes, and when we see a new review, we're like, oh, look at this and share the review and we're all really happy about it yeah. um, which doesn't happen that often uh, follow us on twitter which is monsters underscore multi and uh yeah overall share us with your friends or friend or if you don't have friends share us with any stranger that you meet on the street yell about us on reddit whatever it is um we appreciate it all right so let's move on to the bone claw all right, so this week we're going to be taking a look at the Bone Claw, which is uh, spooky in one way. Uh, the most important one being that this is what we did our episode zero on. When we were deciding whether or not we wanted to even do a podcast, we're like, let's talk about the Bone Claw. And it turned out to be a really, really cool monster that we never got to talk about again uh, until today because yes. we've got a good excuse. Yes. It's Halloween themed. So the, one of these days we'll release episode zero. And no, feel so bad about ourselves. I'm not going to do uh, that. It's bad. I mean, yeah, seriously. I borrowed like a cheap microphone and plucked it down on the table. It sounds like we're all talking in tin cans. We didn't have a name yet. We did this whole thing where we rolled, rolled it live, which was a fine idea, but then realized it's like, we know a lot, but not enough to really dig into these multi-classes live. So it's just like, listen to us flip through books for five minutes. Now you don't have to. You yeah. can just find out about the Bone Claw. Yeah. 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 So you guys get the best of the Bone Claw, um, which is a really, really cool monster that more importantly, I don't hear much about. Um, so it is basically what happens when a wizard fails to become a lich. Uh, so it is very often that a wizard wants to become a lich. You know, immortality and a bunch of power is a pretty big draw. But every once in a while, one fails and it makes a bone claw in some way, shape or form. Yeah, their soul doesn't find its way to the phylactery for whatever reason. I don't. But it, then it, it just it, doesn't. Yeah, it finds the nearest person that's filled with like hate and revenge and violence and goes into them and the person the wizard who's trying to be a lich is their body transforms into this horrific skeletal creature and then becomes a slave to whoever their soul went into right and what i love about this uh beyond its stat block which we will get into is that it offers up one of the things that D does worst honestly which is creates a monster that is horrifying something that can't be killed in a normal way and you need to really probably go through a couple of fights and avoid fighting it multiple times in order to figure out what the root of this problem is you can really reconstruct a horror movie using the bone claw it is the freddy and jason kind of combined of the D, &D world 
So I absolutely love this. I still haven't been able to use one and I've really been wanting to. Uh, I worry that you guys will just know too much about it and it's like kind of going to fall on deaf ears for that. But let's go through its stat block and well, I think on that note, enough Will and I, 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 I'd be happy to like take a back seat in that uh, session and watch the other members of our party kind of fumble through that who don't know this. That's fair. It is a challenge rating yeah. 12, though, and as you guys are level 6, oh. might need to wait a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's exactly what we need. All right. So, Bone Claw is alone at like, its initial stats, not too intimidating. We've got an armor class of 16, HP of 127, speed of 40. Its stat block is relatively good. Strength 19, deck 16, con 15, int 13, wisdom 15, and charisma of 9 with some saving throws. Uh, point is... Really decent saving throws, actually. They are pretty Plus good, Plus dex, con, stuff like that. So That is pretty good. Um, but the first things that come out to me that are always important to keep in mind when you're playing a, a monster that you really want to grasp well is its skills because it does have skills and not many monsters do it's got plus six to perception and plus seven to stealth and that's pretty good stealth so what do you think is going to be happening with this bone claw ambushes ambushes and being able to see things okay maybe not i don't really being ambushed yeah <laughs> <laughs> things you're good at ambushing things you're also good at not being ambushed okay <laughs> Uh, it's of course got the the usual types of damage resistances as well. Cold, four and undead, yeah, yeah, four and undead. Cold, necrotic, and then any bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non magical attacks. So it's going to be difficult to actually hurt it. Condition immunities, man, it's just got a lot of stuff. Yeah, sorry, it's going to take a while to get through these condition immunities. It can't be charmed, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, or poisoned. None of those in particular are a huge deal. Besides, maybe paralyzed. Uh, charmed paralyzed frightened no all of it yeah the mini it's the this is a mini boss shutdown any boss that yeah. just needs to shut down those so it's perfect for you're not going to cheese your way out of this that's exactly. a very yeah. good point yeah um is hold person considered paralyzed yes. or is it just yes. okay yeah so that's that's great because if you held this thing it kind of just sucks if you hold anything right. the fight's over man right <laughs> <laughs> or if you charmed it it just kind of makes no sense with the lore no yeah, yeah. definitely um, so the very first thing that is important about this terrifying creature, which I don't think I mentioned how it looks yet. And that is important. It's like a seven foot tall skeleton with like foot long claws on its hands. So that's like, no, they're like two to three feet long. <laughs> yeah. His entire like, like legs is right. wrist and hands basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His like longest finger with the claw is taller than a gnome. <laughs> yeah. yeah so if that's not spooky enough i don't know what it is but it has a rejuvenation ability so while its master lives a destroyed bone claw gains a new body in 1d12 hours with all of its hit points and a new body that appears within one mile of the bone claws master and one of the things that i love is that the master itself doesn't have to know that the bone claw is following it or attached to it in any way. It can. Right. So it gives you that option where you can use or you can have the NPC using the bone claw to, I don't know, maybe smite its enemies yeah, in some way, revenge, shape or form. Yeah. But you can also use it to just 
terrorize a village without somebody knowing. Right, saying it could feed off of the its master's subconscious desires. You might have somebody where they, they're filled with a lot of hate and anger, but are really choosing to not act on it and trying to have a better outlook in life or improve something or whatever, and this bone claw attaches to them. And now all these people that this person has all this hate for turns up dead in these terribly brutal ways. Right. And, like, they're not even aware of it themselves. Right. And so, like, when, when you have a uh, an NPC who is, like, outwardly evil, it almost becomes simpler to track down. Because it's like, oh, there's a bone claw. All right, let's research the bone claw. Okay, so it attaches to things with hate. Who's the most hateful person in the village? And I'm oversimplifying it for the right. uh, sake of being concise but that almost makes it like very straightforward compared to figuring out what a bone claw is and then it's like okay well who is it it's like well they don't even know right you know, like how are you supposed to track that down you have to like really get the the cork board on the wall and put up the the red pins with all of the victims and tie them right. all together and be like who's at the center of this right <laughs> and it becomes like a conspiracy theory almost yeah. and you could also really send the party on kind of like a like a red herring tangent with this, because you could really frame it to make it seem like someone's a werewolf. Where you're having these uh, people show up dead and just, like, mutilate it, torn right. apart, which the bone claw does. And they're all connected back to this one person who is swearing up and on. They have absolutely no memory of it. I guarantee you a lot of parties, if they don't know about the bone claw, they're going to jump to, oh, they must be a werewolf. Right. And doing this not aware of it. And then you come the whole thing of, all right, how do we fit, cure them of lycanthropy? Or do we just right. kill them or whatever? And it's just completely wrong <laughs> and i think that's really good for a, a halloween themed one shot which this is right. absolutely perfect for or maybe a, a mini arc however you want to play it out because if, if you think about oh i'm gonna run a halloween one shot shot if somebody says yeah the the main thing is is werewolves that's like kind of cliche yeah whereas the bone claw people aren't gonna know about that and it's right. nice to be able to throw something at your party that they're like whoa like, I, I never heard of that. And also, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a ton more stat block here. Yeah. The next thing being Shadow Stealth. While in Dim Light or Darkness, the Bone Claw can take the Hide action as a bonus action. I always love when bonus actions get used on monsters because they're very often forgotten. Um, and that one is very useful. The only thing that can match it is the Rogue and its ability to hide as a bonus action. But against players, I mean, that makes this thing, once again, very good at ambushing. Uh, and it lets you set up something that lasts for much longer than the final conflict with the Bone Claw. Uh, something where they can easily pop out of the shadows, make an attack at the party, uh, maybe even, like, quickly down somebody if we're talking about, like, a, a relatively weak party. The wizard in back, who the Bone Claw just pops out takes a huge swipe at, does tons of damage, and then goes back into the shadows and just disappears. It, it lets you ambush better than just about anything else. Mm -hmm. So, which does bring to its actual actions. So it's got two main ones. It's Piercing Claw, which it can get a multi-attack with, and it's Shadow Jump. So the Piercing Claw is pretty standard stuff of weapon melee attack plus eight with a reach of 15 feet, which I think actually just goes to show its size. Yeah, it, it really is huge. It's, it's large to start here. So right. it's, that's a very, very large reach. 15 yeah. feet, 40 feet of movement, large. It's not going to have much <clears throat> trouble getting your party. Yeah. Right. 
So, all right, so it's got 15-foot reach, plus 8 to hit, 3d10 plus 4 piercing damage, and if the target is a creature, the Bone Claw can pull the target up to 10 feet towards itself. The target is automatically grappled, and the Bone Claw has two claws. While a claw <clears throat> grapples a target, the claw can only attack that one target. So it's very good at, it, it can go up to two, but just that single focus mm-hmm. of grabbing one and then just destroying that one person with now they're they're grappled they can't get away uh and just keeps laying into them right so if that's not enough (laughs) it does have a shadow jump as well which uh just adds on to this ambush idea if the bone claw is in dim light or darkness each creature of the bone claw's choice within five feet of it must succeed on a dc 14 con saving throw or take 5d12 necrotic damage Plus two. Five to 12 plus two, Jared. <laughs> Thank you. Don't forget that. That is important. I guess that's going off of its wisdom. Why not? Uh, the Bone Claw <laughs> then magically teleports up to 60 feet to an unoccupied space it can see, and it can bring one creature it's grappling, teleporting that creature to an unoccupied space it can see within five feet of its destination. The destination spaces of this teleportation must be in dim light or darkness. So, as you mentioned just a second ago, with the 15 foot reach and a speed of 40, uh, you're not getting away from this thing. It can run a lot faster than you. It can reach out a lot further than you. And then it can just teleport 60 feet away from the rest of your group right. to say, nope, this one's mine. Which and is obnoxious as hell. <laughs> it really is. Uh, and, and dealing, again, you know, 5d12 necrotic damage to everyone nearby. And I guess that's before it leaves. Yeah, because it says it does the damage, then it magically teleports. I kind of see, like, it poofs away in this, like, necrotic wave. So it's basically going to come in, attack one, use its piercing claw on somebody, grapple them, making a second attack on them. If that person doesn't get out that next turn, then it's going to shadow jump 60 feet away. And, I mean, we're talking... You know, if, if all of these hit, it's going to be 60, 10 plus eight and then 5d12 plus two damage over two turns. That's a lot. Yeah. Now you're completely separated from the rest of your party. And now you're completely separated. It's yeah. yeah like you could be in complete darkness. And that's he, theoretically. Of course, could see in. And that's theoretically also without in factoring his movement in a turn. It could give you 75 points of damage. Teleport 60 feet away and then run 40. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I'll, I'll say this. This is one of those things where you can be a really annoying DM. And if you have some like player who really likes their wizard, and you're like, you know what? I don't like that wizard. You can just, <laughs> just in an unfair way, end their character. And the party is just going to be sitting there like wondering if they're going to come back next week. So you have to be a little careful with that. Which, yeah, no, definitely. I think this uh, comes up in the same vein as like the uh, the Banderhob that we talked about forever ago, where uh, it almost seems like it's structured more towards grabbing an NPC and getting right, out of there exactly. or like killing an NPC very quickly or however you want to phrase it or structure it where, you know, you're with an NPC who's helping you, who's guiding you through this. And then the bone claw comes in grabs them through the shadows pulls them a hundred feet away and then just gets the hell out of there so this is actually this is perfect for uh one of the scenarios of how to use the bone claw if the party 
knows that these people are being targeted and they do eventually find the pattern. They can pick a person and say, you know what, instead of figuring out who's at the center of this, we're going to find the next likeliest target and we're going to follow them, protect them. You can be like, oh, you're going to get murdered. You know how the party's going to do that. Right. They're <laughs> immediately the going to go to the baker and be like, you're going to get brutally murdered in four seconds if you don't do everything <laughs> we say. And then you have the DM is like, what? No, my family. We have to get out of the town. Quick, help me pack the sourdough. And... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no. Well, we want to we want to use you as bait. Bait? But I've got three young children. No, 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 it's fine. We're like a level seven party. Couldn't be that bad. <laughs> and then at night, you've got, you know, the wham-bam combo. After the surprise round, you know, just tears the baker in half and like just takes his upper torso and just gone right and your party runs after it. the bone claws gone right and they just like you know find the plump top half of the mutilated baker and <laughs> that's that's not even a combat that's just like a, hey you're you're screwing with some really scary stuff right it's a it's a tone setter yeah which is important with these things where where um i mean you can i can think of an infinite amount of ways to use that almost exact scenario even if it's just like the first night that the PCs are there and they're like, they're out drinking. They're having a good time. And then just like out of the shadows as they're walking home, they just see a person on the streets basically have that happen to them where the bone clock comes out, rips their torso does. I mean, if they're all around each other, five D 12 plus two necrotic damage to them as it boofs out. And now the party's like, what just happened as they have like the entrails spilling out of this person. It's just like, Oh my God. Like that's, that's again, it's a tone setter where it's like, Hey guys, things are going to be a little fucked up the next couple of weeks as you figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then the, the extra scary part, the next time you have this happen to them, let the PCs beat up on it and maybe even kill it. And then it just comes back the next day. Yeah. And does it again. Right. And that's, I think one of the somewhat tough things is we kind of experienced this the, the other week when I had you guys all fight the, um, the gibbering mouther that I, I kind of reworked a little bit, and it basically came back every time you killed it. Where, to an extent, having the same fight over and over again does lose a bit of its intensity. So you need to find ways to change it up. And I think that's that's what can be a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, it needs to feel like a nuisance, because, you know, it, it's challenge rating 12. It's going to be difficult, unless you're like, yeah, I'm going to throw it against my my party of level 12s, which would make you the dumbest person in the world. I mean, that's kind of what you did with a gibbering mouth or like, it was like a constant, like, okay, we got to nuke it again. Right. Right. But then it progressed and things did yeah, happen. It had that end goal. Right. I mean, that was, that one was specifically just supposed to be a dungeon nuisance to, you know, be a problem when you guys came into a new area. But and I think kind of like a penalty of us waiting around somewhere, taking extra time to search something. Exactly. Yeah. And I wouldn't use the bone claw like that. It's going to be a once a day encounter. Um, but I think that there is definitely something to, if it's at the point where let's say you've got a party of level nines, where this thing's going to be tough, but it's not going to be the end of the world by any means. You definitely want to try and find a way to ramp it up for the final fight or make the fights in between, you know, somewhat interesting. You know, the first night it absolutely obliterates the person you're protecting. Great. The second night you're a little bit more prepared. So you, it's now about protecting this NPC. Inevitably, they're probably going to fail. And it's going to get away before you can fully kill it. Or maybe you do kill it and it protects the NPC, but it's going to be back tomorrow. You know, and now you've got to think about that again, where it's like, okay, what's the most defensible place? Well, we need to be, you know, in an area of like complete and total light. 
Because I feel like that's immediately where the PCs are going to go. If they do any research, it's like, okay, it comes out of the shadows every time. Well, let's make an entirely bright place. Well, now you got to, as a DM, figure out a way to like kill the lights in right. some way. And it comes back again. And it, again, it's just this matter of like, you got to ramp up the fights to keep it interesting. So it doesn't feel like they've figured out everything, but also have it satisfying when they do figure everything out and totally stop it. This would be a great, uh, if you got your thinking cat players in the room, this would be a great opportunity for them to use something like daylight, which is a very underused spell. It's basically the opposite of darkness. You right. do that in a room, just out of nowhere when the bone claws attacking the bone claws, he's going to be like, what the, what the hell happened? Right. <laughs> and and that's, that's a great way to kill it. Definitely. And it's still, it, it's only going to kill it for that one D 10 hours. Exactly. But you're totally right. It's a great way to get it to, to keep it from escaping. So maybe it's, you know, grabbing an NPC and actually taking it somewhere before killing it. Great. You cast the daylight spell and it's locked down to this area. It can't magically teleport out or it has to run first, whatever. It's going to be a lot more difficult. Right. Um, so you definitely have opportunities for your players to learn the way that this thing is, you know, fighting you to, to then fight against it instead. Uh, the first night though, is going to be a massacre. I think that's, that's the important part is you got to set that tone of just like, they have no idea what's coming and they're going to get totally blindsided. Yeah. The poor baker. Yeah. yeah. Let him roll initiative. Go for it. Sure. <laughs> Fine. Because what it's last thing is that we didn't even get to is it's deadly reach, which is a reaction. Um, and a really great one that I, I like a lot. It's in response to a visible enemy moving into its reach. The bone claw makes one claw attack against that enemy. If the attacks hit, the bone claw can make a second claw attack against the target. Which is just a nuts reaction. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely absurd. So even if the very first night, you know, it grabs the NPC and like tears into him and you see this person get more or less eviscerated, but like they're, they're slightly hanging on and your PCs of course are going to spring into action. One of them is going to sprint forward. And what does this thing do? Uh, 60, 10 plus eight piercing damage yeah, and grappling and grappling. And then it, I think it can choose one creature. It's grappling to teleport away from. Right. So then next turn, it's going to do that. It's going to teleport away with the NPC probably killing it in the process, to be honest. So it leaves behind half of it, leaves the person who went running in thinking that they were going to be the hero kind of almost dead. I mean, that's again, that's a lot of damage yeah. in, in two turns. So I, I, I love that. I think there's so much you can do with it to just, again, just keep setting that tone. Yeah. Right? No, this is, this was going back to like the meta of this. I was always depressed by like how crappy that episode ended up because it, this is probably my favorite mechanical enemy. I don't think there is a single other enemy in the any of the monster books that is quite as cool to me in just pure mechanics. Right. And then the flavor just goes with it perfectly. Like I can see other people having preferences, but this is probably my favorite enemy. Well, I just think it does a great job of really using each of its abilities to just do something. There's not one that I look at and just go, well, what's the point of that? Exactly. Yeah, every single one, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's great. That's amazing. I want right. that. <laughs> it's actually kind of like uh, half of our over-designed PCs that are just like stat max to use every single turn of their action to do right. these great combos. And it's now that's in an enemy form. It's like, right. damn, that's going to be a really rough time. Right. And then we should talk about how to actually dispatch the bone claw because if it rejuvenates every, every time you kill it. 
the easy way is to kill its master once you find out who it is. But if you, I feel like that's too straightforward. You're, you're really not doing this whole thing justice if you just make it like a clearly evil person who's been doing terrible things anyways and just needs to die. Right. I, I think it's the encounter, we, this session, whatever, would be so much better if its master is that type of person who is not aware of the Bone Claw's presence. And even though they're filled with a lot of anger and hatred, did not actually want to hurt anybody. I think I re- then what do you do about it? Right. I think I remember uh, in our original episode zero, our example was a, a kid who was like bullied a lot. And right. they like had a lot of resentment for their bullies where it's like, yes, their heart is filled with hatred. But that's also a little kid. Right. Uh, who is inadvertently having people around the town murdered. So it definitely offers a bit of a moral quandary. <laughs> right. Because uh, it, it doesn't really give detailed instructions of how to make this bone claw go away without killing its master. Well, it there doesn't. Is one. It gives you the example of how to do it as soon as they stop being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it does say that. If its master finds redemption or sincerely turns away from the path of evil, the bone claw is permanently destroyed. Okay, right. I forgot but about But that's that. yeah. a little tough to, to quantify. Uh, to say right. yes, you have one hundred percent turned away from evil, right? And let's say whatever you quantify it, or you figure out a way to turn this person around. It's like, how long is that going to take? How many people are going to die in the meantime as you try and redeem this one individual? Right, right. When, it might be... And one doesn't no longer become worth it. Right. One like, isn't. All right. I mean, it's this person's not doing this on purpose, but keeping them alive is killing every somebody else every single night. I think that's when it really, when you have the simple example of the kid, the kid's going to be very easy to turn away from evil. Agreed. Agreed. Like, yeah. He may hate the kids who bullied him or the people that were mean to him. Right. And this, you should Maybe explain, he like, hates his dad or something like right. that. And then he sees his dad get killed. And like, if you can help him connect the dots, that's quest over. Right. right. If you're like, no, it's not that Johnny's mean to you and hates your buck teeth. It's that his parents got divorced and he doesn't know how to deal with that. Yeah. You know, and then he starts to understand and then <laughs> there's progress, you know, and it's, that's easy enough to do. It is going to be a lot harder if it's the, uh, I don't know, the, the old bitter man who the town drunk, who's trying to get out of bar tabs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is kind of true. I mean, there's, there's one aspect where it is not an inherently evil person or the idea of somebody who's like, started to harness the evil intentionally, but maybe they're completely unaware of it until your party makes them aware of it until they're the ones who spill the beans and say, Hey, uh, you know, town drunk, you go up to him and say, Hey, you know, the, this bone claw thing is killing stuff because of you, because of the hatred in your heart. And it's like, Whoa, awesome. Then he sobers <laughs> I up. can use that. <laughs> makes amends with his wife and Johnny stops bullying the kid. Yeah. Okay. That's probably not going to happen. It turns out there was like four bone claws. <laughs> 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 the bone claws are killing the other bone claws and they're just coming back every 10 hours. Yeah. Okay. That's probably not going to be the accidental bone claw town. <laughs> it's like five people and just five bone claws going after each other. I like that. Um, but no, I mean, I think it, again, it, it's something that you can uh, make a little bit more. You can make it as difficult as your party wants to deal with. If you want it to be a really quick one shot. Yes. It's the kid who was, uh, you know, in, in, he's troubled for whatever reason. And it's very easy to bring them over to the side of good. Right. Uh, or, or the overly evil adult. Exactly. Who's doing this on purpose. Right. Who like, who knows and likes it. Or again, in the middle ground where they don't know, but then they find out and they're like kind of torn on it. And they're like, well, I mean, 
it hasn't hurt me. So you're telling me I'm going to be safe this entire time and everybody around me dies? Well, that's fine. That's their problem, you know? <laughs> and like, yes, it's it's fucked up. I think that's pretty easy to agree on because we're all sane people. Well, why are you giving me that look? I'm just it's like, huh, the people I don't like are dying. I, this has no effect on me. It'll never come back to me except for what you know. Now I'm starting to dislike you. Right. <laughs> Please leave my office. There's a lot of ways you can play it. Yeah. To be completely honest, and I, I think that that opens up a lot of doors. And yeah, I mean, like I think that's why I like the kid one the best because, like, if your party caves in some ten year old skull, I did. <laughs> it's you're you're gonna have to like stop the session after that. It's like let's talk about alignment changes. <laughs> it's kind of a tough one, isn't it? And the bone claws now following you. Uh, <laughs> it's not how it works, luckily. Once you kill it, you're good. Normally I just disappear, but that was so friggin' edgy, I just gotta <laughs> stick around. You guys are cool as shit. You got any other kids you don't like? <laughs> Dibs on the next one. It does say that the bone claws are cackling slayers. They specifically do delight in murder, and nothing pleases them more than causing horrific pain. So it isn't just like this bone <laughs> yeah. claw is like just kind of mindlessly doing these things. It specifically wants to cave in ten-year-old skulls. Yeah, as a walking torture demon, it's it's that's part of the reason I like it. It's like one of the edgier things in the book. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of layers of edge. <laughs> So, yeah, also be careful with that. Like, this is a really easy way to just get on a, like, t child murder tangent. <laughs> and even I'm like, no, nah, let's, let's just... Right, let's tone it down a little let bit. Let Skyrim that one. For some reason, they're immune. <laughs> right. You can kill their parents all you want, though. Um, but it would be the call to action. I could see that, where, you know, the, the bone claw has been killing adults and everyone's like hey that's really bad but then it kills a kid and they're like we need to get adventurers all right now like, we have yeah. to take this seriously right <laughs> someone broke the pact <laughs> sorry it's the kid who's been stealing bread so i guess let's go back to the baker yeah say it back to the baker he really likes his sourdough no oh, i really like this guy yeah bone claw is it was our episode zero but it's number one in our hearts <laughs> <laughs> not because of the child murder stuff it's because the possibility of the child murder stuff and the mechanics man it's the and mechanics. the mechanics and the mechanics not to bring it back too much to to matt coville who does a lot of great videos that i'm sure most people here know about um he recently did one that that you sent to me around the uh idea of taking a uh, a boss and, and giving it like meaningful <clears throat> bonus actions, reactions, and just like round tracker things. And I think this is a and d boss that I, I will put in air quotes here uh, that very much fits that idea of like there's right. not a wasted movement with this thing. Right. And I think you could very, very easily add in a, uh, you know, at the beginning of the first turn, it does this thing. And the beginning of the second turn, it does this thing. And like just really stack up all the awfulness that it brings to the table. This is totally a tangent, but if you really wanted to spice this fight up, you could do the normal stat tweaks and then go ahead and just like look at the Lich stat block and give it nerf versions of that. I can see it. And yeah. say, you know, it, just, it got these spells. It didn't get disintegrated, you know? Just yeah. Give it a few spells if it's getting nuked by your party too often. That's a good point. And I think that's a good way, as I mentioned earlier, of ramping up the fights. Where the first one, you know, you throw a normal, perfectly uh, 
layered out uh, bone claw exactly as it is. And you see how the fight goes. If your party gets like almost TPK'd, then you find some excuse to, to have it bolt out of there. Um, but if they absolutely destroy it, which there's a good chance they will, uh, then you can start adding those things in where you can say, okay, what, what spells are going to make this a real bitch to fight? You know, maybe it gets a whole person. Darkness, Dark. web, perfect stuff. Yeah. And do you want to be restrained around this thing? No. Nope. No. With advantage on each of its attacks? <laughs> no. No, you don't. You really don't. Do you want it to haste itself? <laughs> just stop. Just stop. Hold person would be a real scary one. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's it's already like, I mean, it can basically hold your entire party at some point. It's getting there. Where if you give it a hold person of, I don't know, third or fourth level, just hold everyone, the people who succeeded. Great. I'm going to attack you. Grapple. Grapple teleport like it's just a shutdown don't do that <laughs> just give it web man just give it web no and i think that's that's something to look at that's spookier anyways i definitely don't know lich uh spells off the top of my head but i think they've got plenty that you can uh cherry pick from it's good love it bone claw you guys could probably fight one in a little bit of time here it'll be a good time it's gonna be great all right. Cool. That's all I've got. Anything else? That's it for me. Nope. All right. I hope you enjoyed our spooky episode. Once again, subscribe to us. Uh, enjoy your Halloween. And uh, that's it. That's it. That's everything. Thanks for listening. Bleh. 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 Next time on Monsters and Multiclass. Join us next week as we discuss the Monk Paladin and the Bargast from... From, from. Oh, my phone's not unlocking. Oh boy, we lo- we're losing listeners Bolo's by the second. Guide to monsters. Perfect. All right. And if you're still here, just remember we love you. And uh, maybe go listen to some of our old episodes, like the Christmas one. It's coming up soon. Or the Nagpa. Thanksgiving's right around the corner. Ho ho ho. <laughs>